And we're live. There it is, ladies and gents. Woo! Hey, uh, you ever wonder what it takes to put out a full feature film? Let's find out. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business <laughs> I love it. The energy is there on a Monday. Oh, we ready to rock and roll this one. All right. We Ham. sure are. Here we go. Well, check this out, ladies and gentlemen. Today's guest will give the business bros a run for our money because he might love movies more than us. <laughs> our guest has a true passion for the art and has built his New York City-based full-service production company and operated for the past 20 years. Emphasizing his love for film, our guest and his company produced a full feature-length film, making our guest the very first on the Business Bros Pod with a profile on IMDb. We're excited to have a fellow movie buff on the show today, although I'll bet his knowledge and expertise will put us to shame. Joining us today from the New York-based Kaleidoscope Pictures with their feature film, The Luring, available on all, on all major platforms, welcome to the show. Christopher Wayne. That's awesome. Chris, Man, welcome we're to the excited program, to have you on Thank the show. You. Thank you. I, I'm glad to be here. This is very cool. Oh, dude, we're we're ready to learn <laughs> from a master. I mean, we got all kinds of different cool <laughs> clips that we that we throw on here, but I want to know what it was like for you to get started in this whole game, right? What is it what is it that you wanted to achieve? Uh, when you got into this whole in, into this space, uh, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I guess what I really wanted to do is was not be cliche. I didn't want to um, hand out McDonald's. I, I, you know, I think that audiences are very intelligent. Uh, we you know, we grew up watching films, and uh, I didn't want to produce something that was going to be predictable or something that was going to be commonplace. So for the luring, I just really set out to write a script that um, would scare the hell out of me. Um, it really disturbed me quite a bit writing this. I, I, I you know, I've got some friends and family writing, uh, texting me saying, oh, you know, that was so creepy and disturbing. And I'm like, yeah, well, try being the, the person that wrote it. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> so I mean, it's like, I kind of like freaked myself out. But, you know, with, with films, you, you kind of have to do that, I think, especially with a low budget film, you kind of have to uh, kind of set the bar high in terms of shocking your audience, especially with a psychological thriller, because we didn't use any blood. Um, it was in my mom's house that she was selling. So we, I had to be very careful keeping it very clean. So for me personally, just being a psychological thriller, is, it, it just freaks me out. So for this, I just wanted to say something beyond your typical predictable film. And I want to do that with all my work. So being the writer, you got to put yourself in a certain mental mind yeah. state, right? So they say some of the best uh, homicide detectives think like the murderers, right? They're they're like, there's a fine line between you know being someone who who's who's fighting you know for the law and someone who's uh, against the law. When you're writing this stuff, how much of that bleeds over, or how much of it is like uh, you know maybe stuff that you grew up thinking about and you know maybe experienced a little bit? Like what what kind of stuff? 
you know, dry, puts you in that mindset or keeps you there to be able to write it out? Well, it's, it's a lot and it's very scary because what happens is for me, at least when I was writing the luring, I'm writing these characters that are really evil and really, I mean, I really had to dig deep and think to my, cause I don't scare that easily. I mean, I've, I've been watching horror films since I was, you know, three years, four years old, you know, watching Dracula and Frankenstein and whatnot. Um, so for me to be scared for a movie and, and, and not to rely on jump scares, it, it really has to be deep and these characters really have to have a certain kind of evil and manipulation uh, part of their character that I, you know, I don't have that personally in my in my real life. But diving into these characters, it freaked me out. There was one night where I was um, drank. I don't drink coffee, but I I don't know why I did this. I did a double shot of espresso, which I've never done in my life, and uh, and it, and and with that anxiety and that caffeine, just and, and then also writing these characters. It, I mean, I was freaked out. I mean, I couldn't sleep for two days because it just, it really gets into you. And, uh, you know, and, and as you're writing the script, you want to make sure that it's going into a place that makes me, the writer, feel uncomfortable. So for, I don't know how many months it took me to write the script. Let's say it was three months. It, for three months, I was very uneasy, uh, you know, uneasy. And that was, uh, uh, you know, kind of, a, uh, I'm glad I'm not writing it, but directing it was a little bit easier in terms of, uh, um, kind of having it affect me as, as a, as a person. <laughs> well, when, when, uh, I mean, there's, there's method actors, right? Uh, Heath Ledger's well known for really taking on that Joker role kind of, you know, it's rumored to have really affected his life. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, um, it, the newest Joker, Joaquin Phoenix did a tremendous job, same type of thing, really involved in that role. Um, and I imagine when you were writing your stuff, you, you said three months of, you know, kind of living in a pretty jacked up mindset to yeah. make sure that you were there. Yeah. Now, when you finish the writing, I've read books before where the book is so much more amazing than, than the screenplay, right? How were you able to take that? And we're going to show a little preview here in a second, but how are you able to take that? emotion that you were feeling while you were writing the words that you that you wrote in the script and make them jump off the page so that we can see the terror in i mean i'm going to show you a trailer here in a little bit it's freaky yeah i mean you just you, well it really starts with so once you write the script obviously you're, you're reading it out loud so you can really understand the dialogue then what you do is you go through the casting phase and it's really surprising because when you see these actors take their own take on what you've written, you're like, oh, wow, that's even better than what I thought. And they're giving you suggestions and whatnot. So then now you all of a sudden have like this whole team that's really focused on making a better film. Where before when I was a writer, yeah, I mean, I'd give it to people so they can read it and whatnot. But when you have actors that are going really deep into it and asking you questions that you didn't even think to ask yourself and 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 giving you suggestions that are that make connections that maybe I didn't even see um they really bring the the film to life and thank god we had a great cast um you know and then you know just shooting it talking to your 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 cinematographer and your editor and uh, our editor was on on set uh he was also uh, doing DIT which is just technical kind of stuff um, but it was great to have him on set. So we we're, you know, really kind of talking about the storyboard, the shot list, you know, what would freak us out. So it's not just me now. Now I'm having all these other voices chime in and give their two cents. And as a director, you have to filter that. But I'm very grateful for the contributions that everyone gave because it really made a really good uh, film because of that. 
Well, let's take a second. Let's take a look at uh, what you guys put together. I got a little clip here from the luring. Uh, and I'll be honest, ladies and gents, it's gonna it's gonna pound your heart a little bit. Here we it's go. It's disturbing. I'm starting to get this unsettling feeling. I gotta say is man like i i know for a fact oops that i, that, I had myself muted i'm like i really want to jump in here again because that looks so freaking creepy right it looks yeah, so it good is. like like I, you got a little mix of 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 some it with the red balloon you got a little bit of pet cemetery going on with the kid playing in the street um i'm over here like uh I, there was even a little bit that reminded me of uh the shining i'm like <laughs> I, i'm just i'm i'm digging it man i'm digging it yeah Definitely i got the red I got the red balloon from a short film called, well, it, when I was a kid, I watched this movie called the red balloon, 1956. Yep. And, uh, and that somehow stuck with me and I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it just affected me. And so my whole entire life, I just had it in the back of my mind. And then when my mom said that she had to sell the house, I, you know, I asked if I could shoot a film there, not knowing that I was going to be a feature film, but I knew, okay, this is my chance to have this thing that that's been in the back of my mind for, you know, my whole life. And that's where the red balloon came from. And uh, yeah, and I just saw a clip of that movie the other day because I haven't seen it in forever. And I'm like, yeah, it still freaks me out. And it's not a horror film. The, the red balloon is actually no, that... an endearing story. But <laughs> yeah, I, I actually remember watching that in elementary school. Yeah, like, exactly. they, that's where I saw it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was like, this is a weird thing. That that thing you know, follows you everywhere. It's, it's all over the place. You're right. It's not scary at all. Then you see the it one. That one freaks you out. And now with your red balloon, holy well, crap. Down here. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'm going to ask you, uh, we're going to do a segment called The Struggle is Real. All right, I know. Oh, I like have... that because it's like kind of a creepy intro for all of this. I, <laughs> right? I like it, it, it like it played good. in perfect. I was like, this yeah. is the one we're going to do. We, we got to do this segment. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, so The Struggle is Real. You put together a feature-length film. It's, uh, you didn't have a massive you know, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe budget to go into this thing. I wish. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I wish. Uh, what types of major things, like what are some cool stories in the production of making a movie that was just a struggle that you had to overcome on a regular basis? How long is a show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, from raising the money to, um, you know, my mom was selling the house. So she then had to tell the realtor, okay, that the, cause they, she had a buyer and she said, okay, well they can only move into the house. I think it was May 17th. And we, wrapped up filming like a, just a week before that. So right when I called cut, I'm then scrubbing the floors to make sure that when, the, when they do the walkthrough the, with the new owners, they're not going to say, well, you know, we don't want to uh, buy this house anymore. And, you know, this is a very small house. We had about maybe the height of it. We had about maybe 35 people with the cast and the crew when we had all these like little, you know, had these like kids as extras and whatnot. So you have people like running in and out of the house. It's during mud season in Vermont. So there's, they're trekking in all this mud, and I'm thinking, oh my God, like we're gonna burn this house down uh, 
because <laughs> you know on a film set there's a lot of stuff that can break and a lot of moving parts literally and uh so i was kind of scared that maybe we might damage the house and thank god we didn't and you know the house was sold thank god but um that would that was very scary and uh and, and then when you make the film a lot of people don't realize that you have to have all your ducks in a row. You have to make sure all your legal stuff is right. You have to make sure it's everything's copywritten. You have to, I mean, everyone's got to have all the, the, the signed paperwork waivers. You know, we dealt with SAG. So all that stuff had to be dealt with, um, you know, and, and you have to get a producer rep to get a distribution deal. So then you're like, oh my God, like, you know, are we even going to get a deal? Because usually films don't make it to that point. They, people, don't even finish the, the film. They, 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 they go in the editing table and they say, oh, this isn't really worth it or they didn't shoot enough or something happens and they don't even get to that point. And thank God we did. And so, you know, it's been, it's, it's always, there's always something to worry about, but you got to always remember just to maybe slow down and enjoy it because the, the first, this is my first narrative feature. So I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's only been out for <laughs> less than a week and I'm, it's, it's still nerve wracking to, kind of think like oh wow it's, it's your baby man it's your baby. yeah yeah so yeah, i'm gonna yeah. ask you a little bit about uh raising funds right sure. uh because you know paying the bills is kind of a tough thing so i'm gonna take a quick little second here to pay some bills uh ladies and gents shift magazine if you guys are interested in promoting your content your stuff uh, i want you to reach out to dr rob garcia uh, for shift magazine check it out ShiftLifeDesign.com, ladies and gents, be sure to check that out. All right, raising capital for a movie, right? This is not a tangible product, right? This is something that you're, look, I got a script. I got this concept. Uh, you know, my skills and talent are here in this movie industry. And, you know, this is what I'm doing. Please fund me, right? <laughs> what was that like? What is it like trying to raise money for a film? I'm not the best at raising money. I'm, I'm, obviously more the creative end of it. And thank God I play uh, flag football because I met Brian Berg, who is great at raising money. And he's my co-producer. And uh, Sandy Aish is um, someone that I met and I did a, I produced a video for her and, and she wanted to get involved with the film as well. So those two helped me raise m the money. It wasn't just me. I mean, I, obviously I threw in my own money and I raised some money, but they were, they were, that was their specialty. And, uh, so really, the basically the how, how you raise money is that you have to take the hook of your film. Usually, it's the first scene, and you shoot that. So that that costs us maybe like ten thousand dollars. That's with legal fees, with the website, with all that all that stuff. The, the legal fees is like about maybe five thousand. So the actual shooting was about maybe five to seven, and so we shot the first scene, and then we presented that to all of our private investors. And mostly that was through Brian. Brian kind of knew more of the private investors than I did. I knew maybe a few. Um, and so you present them with that. You have all your legal stuff uh, taken care of. So everyone knows, okay, you're the real deal. You're not just hoping that people are going to give you money and you're going to you know, burn it. Uh, you have to make sure that you know all that stuff is uh, taken care of, like a website and whatnot. And so these people were able to see the actual product. They were up actually seeing what they can invest in. Um, and then they could do a little background check on me. I mean, I've, you know, I've been in the, in the business, at least shooting videos for different businesses. So I know how to take someone's money and make something out of it. 
Um, and I also have done, you know, I went to film school. I went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. I, I, I've done a, a whole bunch of short films. I, I did a horror, psychological horror film called Cynthia. And I think right now it's got maybe 600,000 hits, views on it. But at the time, maybe it had maybe 400,000. And, and, and that was impressive to the investors. Like, okay, at least he's doing stuff that people are watching. And so that validated it. But the biggest, most important thing that I can tell anyone who's thinking about raising money is that you got to put your own money in it. So when we shot that first scene, that was my money, that was Sandy's money, and that was Brian's money. So when we're presenting that to these investors, they know that we've got skin in the game. If you don't have that, these investors are not going to invest because if you're not willing to put your own money into your own movie, why are they going to put money into it? And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway in terms of uh, raising money. We also raised money on um, like Indiegogo and stuff. I forget exactly how much we raised, but it really was through private investors. And I, and that's probably they're more, well, they're both great ways. And so that's why we did both. But for us, it was more private investors than anything. Man, that's, it does sound like a, a lot of work just to get it off the ground, man. Like, yeah, I mean, you spend a lot of time writing it. Uh, you spend a lot of time probably editing it and going over yeah. scripts and then, and then pouring the money into, to put in that first scene to go raise the capital. Like I'm sure there's times, and I don't know, maybe you can tell me, maybe you've, you've experienced where you put something in play and then you go out and try to raise capital and people just don't get it or they're not interested or, you know, now it's like, okay, well, I've invested all this time, all this effort, all this money just to get it off the ground. This one's not going to go. Do you move on? Do you go back and modify something like that? Do you, well, you know, what's, what's <laughs> like an industry norm type thing? Cause there's, I'm sure there's a lot of concepts and ideas that don't get funded. Yeah. Well, the price is wrong, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I wrote a script called short term memory. Um, it's a, it's a psychedelic love story about these two high school kids. And at the time, um, I had a producer who did a budget for $3 million and it was ridiculous. And at the time, I don't know why I allowed that to happen. But I was the only one trying to raise now $3 million for this film. I'm a nobody. No one knew who the hell I was. No one still knows who the hell I am. Maybe after the luring, maybe the, maybe a little whisper of my name might be in people's ears, but still. Um, but at that point, like, like I was even less than I am now. And, uh, and I was trying to sell this script to investors, and I was going about it totally wrong. And I didn't really have the backing of my producers. One of the things that I learned from that experience is you have to write within your means. Now, short term memory, that script really should have been a low budget budget. Uh, he should have given me a budget of, let's say, $300,000, not $3 million, because it's a lot harder to raise $3 million than it is, let's say, $300,000 or $100,000 or whatever it might be. I'll you know, consider it being a low budget film. Um, so when I wrote, when I had the opportunity for, to write it, uh, you know, to shoot at my mom's house, I, I, then I was like starting to scramble. I'm like, okay, well, I have my mom's house. That's a free location. I don't have to pay for that. And then I started to write within my means. Then you have to create a box. The box is your budget and what you have available to you. So I have this house available to me. I know we're not going to get a lot of money, uh, raise a lot of money. And I want to make this film. And I only have, let's say, four or five months to do this, you know, because the house is going to be sold. So I have to think within that box and then think without that box. So what I mean by that is, you have to kind of figure out how to creatively make a story that looks beyond what the limitations that you have. So if you only have a limited budget and you only have a limited, you know, sources, you know, locations and whatnot, you, you can't make it seem where people are watching a movie and thinking, oh, this is a low budget. 
and it's only one location. We have more than one location, but I'm just kind of giving an example. But raising the money is, is definitely not easy. And, and, and if it wasn't for Brian and Sandy, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been able to make the film. Uh, again, that's not my strong suit. But just knowing what to write within my means, you know, I've done enough short films. I've worked for enough clients where I'm shooting videos for them where I can, I'm, I'm very good at that. So at least I can bring that to the table. So it wasn't like our, our budget was like crazy. And, uh, you know, for my next film, I, I, you know, I'm going to apply that same philosophy. Dude, that's, I mean, limiting yourself and knowing where you can go. I mean, that's, that's, uh, first of all, I commend you for that because that really puts a a laser focus in what you want to do. Secondly, like to write within that, that box, like to say, okay, well, this is a great idea. This is a great concept. How do I make it so that it fits into this film? That so that yeah. that that concept or that scare or that you know whatever character can mm-hmm. come in and we can bring them to life in this budget. That's got to be a little bit tougher. Well, I I actually think for me at least I think it's easier because when you have when you give an artist a blank piece of paper and say draw anything, they're going to look at you like, well, I need some guidance. At least with the box, at least with knowing what budget that you have or what you don't have, at least knowing, okay, I have my mom's house or whatever location people are going to use, you you start to hone in on where this story has the possibility of going. I mean, I knew that I couldn't have explosions or you know blood or certain things because that would drive up the budget. So having those restrictions actually helped me focus on what I was able to do, where if someone, you know, gave me all this money and said, Hey, Chris, write whatever the hell you want. I, I, I would need to know where my walls are in the box because mm-hmm. then, then once I know what my parameters are, then I can creatively jump out of that box. And, and I think we did. That. I mean, we were able to get a Steadicam, Steadicam operator for a couple days and we, we scheduled her um, to shoot where now throughout the film, there's steady cam shots. And so, and that makes our budget look, I mean, that looks, makes our film look like we spent more money than we, 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 you know, what we really did. So there's like, you know, there's like little tricks that you can do at every stage of the game. You know, first you start with the writer, then you start as the director and producer. And then, and then obviously you've got your post-production, um, and you know, there's, there's different things that you can kind of throw in there that make it look like you spent more money than what you really did. That's absolutely true. And I feel the same way when we do our whole podcast show. We've elevated the status of, of how we produce our own live show uh, just through trial and error practice, limiting in boxes, everything. Speaking of boxes, uh, let's let's do our next segment. Yeah, it is that time, isn't it? Today's hands insurance tip of the day we're going to talk a little bit about animal liability exclusion what the heck does that mean well i'll tell you one thing as a dog lover this is one of my least favorite of all of the various insurance rules but it's a it's a super important one for dog owners and exotic animal lovers uh you know y'all gotta know this stuff if you tiger king exactly yep (laughs) if you own a pit bull rottweiler akita bull mastiff chow all right these are some of the common ones or any breed that's a wolf hybrid you know you're really proud of that dog that's like part wolf okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you have any of those types of animals you might have a gap in coverage based on the animal liability exclusion in your homeowner's policy 
Homeowners insurance typically includes coverage for personal liability, which comes into play for injuries you might cause to another person or to someone else's property. But if you own a dog that's considered a vicious breed, your policy may specifically exclude coverage for that animal. This also applies for the exotic animals, your tiger king. So if you own a ferret, a macaw, monkey, or a tiger, the same exclusion will apply. So be sure to talk to your insurance agent, talk to your insurance experts over at Pipeline Insurance to find out if you have coverage. That is Ham's Insurance Tip of the Day. Follow me on Twitter at InsuranceBroHam. All right, Chris, just like us doing a podcast, there are a ton of young people out there who have their hands on some of the best technology that is is available right now. Cameras, cell phone cameras, they're just becoming way better. Editing software, I mean, I could literally use, you know, Adobe Premiere Pro, After Effects, and I have the ability to create a feature film, uh, you know, the ability to, not the knowledge or skill to, <laughs> right? Big difference. So I'm wondering if you can give uh, young entrepreneurs some advice. So what can you tell young uh, cinema, cinematic uh, youngsters out there trying to get into the movie space, maybe the acting space? What advice can you give them? Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much. I mean, uh, like I said before, I think you have to have your – put your own skin in the game if you're going to look for investors. Um, but the beautiful thing that we that's happening now is, like you said, with cell phones and th there's such a, um, a wide range of, of tools that are right at our fingertips. I mean, there's free editing software that comes with a Mac. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many things that, that, that people can do. I mean, I think that what young people should do is shoot some short films, you know, get used to being on set, telling a story, because there's a big difference when, when you have a script, transferring that into an actual film, a video, um, the, it takes a little bit of getting used to. And you have to, some things don't translate. Uh, and as a director, you always want to have more. You, want, you always want to be able to cut out. You don't want to be thinking on the editing table, thinking, oh man, we don't have enough footage. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank God for the luring. We were able to cut some stuff out, and not we weren't like racking our brains like, "Oh my God, what are we going to do?" That we, you know, we we don't know how to uh, cover this because we don't have enough uh, footage for whatever. So I think people should just really just first start shooting some short films if they're really thinking about shooting feature films. I think another thing is don't don't worry about what other people are doing, or don't worry about what these big Hollywood filmmakers are, are doing because you know, you're not that you're not working with a $30 million budget and it's very dangerous to compare your experience with what they're doing because that can, that can maybe make you second guess moving forward. And, and, and you don't have to be an expert to make a film. It, it's an experience that people I think should go through, whether it be a short film or feature. Um, but I think that you, you can't psych yourself out. You, you can't think, Oh, you know, like this film is, you know, it's going to look so much better than mine because it's, you know, $30 million Hollywood film. Well, so what? Your story is also important. And and I think people want to hear those stories. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that are sick and tired of watching the same old predictable Hollywood BS. 
and 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 those people really do seek out films that that have something to say that has backstory that that is low budget. I mean, I went to SVA in the '90s, and and uh, I, I grew up watching films like Brothers McMullen and Clerks and and Slacker. Uh, and you know, these are these are filmmakers that that made these films with like practically nothing. And and nowadays, independent films are like ten million dollars. And well, there's still a lot of those low budget independent films, like I just mentioned, that are still out there. And people want to see that, so that means that's good news for filmmakers because if you have a story to tell, people will people will watch it. And and you have to also my final thing on on giving advice is make sure that you have money for marketing, because a lot of people forget that. So once you do your film and you get a distribution deal, well, even before that, you, you're trying to get your film into festivals and to get a distribution deal. That's you need a producer rep. You I mean you don't need one, but it's very helpful because when you're submitting your film to festivals. It's much more impressive when you have a producer rep, basically a publicist, making the intro, making the connection, than you're doing it. Because you know a lot of these festivals, they're not, they're saying they're looking at every film, but unfortunately, they're really looking at the ones that come through way of producer rep and publicist. Mm, yeah, There's and only so, so much that's time. Really important. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's 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 so true. <laughs> you said clerks. I was, I mean, uh, you know, was it clerks? Was it was that Clerks. a yeah 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 we were, yeah man Kevin Smith come on yeah. yes, exactly come on that's exactly what I was thinking that's exactly classic what I was thinking. yeah oh yeah. man all right Chris Adrian man. Adrian crushes it behind the camera uh, and uh, I've seen I mean we use a lot of his stuff he's asking uh, what's your top tip for making good use of time on the set. Oh, well, that's a, a, an assistant director question. So basically for us, it was a 22-day shoot. We had every five to six days off for two days, and it rained for 15 consecutive days. So it was a nightmare <laughs> to schedule um, that. But thank God we had a great AD, an assistant director, uh, Michael. And uh, just don't waste your time. Make sure that you've got people that are there that want to be there. How you make people want to be there is that you pay them a fair wage and you feed them really good food. Don't give mm. them pasta or pizza every day because that's not going to cut it. You need them to have energy. And and I think that you also have to just be, you can't think that you're, you know, Mr. Big Shot on, on set. You know, I mean, you know, me as a director, I mean, I, I if there was something heavy that, that needed to be lifted, I was the first one there. And I think that kind of rubbed off on my crew and they saw that I was willing to do whatever it takes. And so that motivates them to want to be there. So I know that sounds weird, like, oh, is he really answering the question? It really is, because honestly, if your crew doesn't want to be there, they're going to find a way to waste time, and time is money, because especially when you're dealing with SAG, you only have these actors for a certain amount of time, and then otherwise you have to pay them overtime. Mm -hmm. And so you, like, time is money on set, so you have to make sure that you, know, you just want to make sure everyone's happy. Awesome. All right, I got one last thing. You are all kinds of movie stuff, all kinds of experience in production compared to what we did. We put on a show with you today. I mean, you've only known us for like 31 minutes, <laughs> but we're going to ask you for some. <laughs> we want to hear your two cents. What are your tips uh, on, and uh, you've probably been on a couple of different podcasts. So we want to know what was your experience like with the business bros? Did I suck? Tell me I didn't suck. <laughs> no, I'm, I, no, I'm I hope scared. I didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you I, blew I it. <laughs> no, I, That's I, another I, clip that we're going to need. Yeah. 
I think the production of, of this show looks really cool. I mean, I'm very impressed. I, I mean, this is a very different type of podcast that I've been on. I really am I'm enjoying it. I think you guys work really well together and you're making me feel welcome. I love the little things that you guys kind of put in between. It looks very high end and I'm just having a lot of fun. And the fact that you guys were asking me the questions before we went on air, you know, what's the website and whatnot, it, you know, I see it scrolling. I mean, to me, I feel very well taken care of. I don't really have any advice. I mean, like I, I if I was going to do a podcast, I, I would hope to do it as well as you guys. So I don't know. Keep keep doing it, and you know, don't listen to guys like me because I wouldn't know what to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I mean, that's that's that means a lot. So you know, the the fact that that you had a good time, that uh, that we got all the pertinent information out there for you, able to run your trailer for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's what we shoot for. We want to make sure that uh, you, our client, is happy on the show. So thank you very much for spending some time with us. Uh, any last minute things you wanna you wanna promote? You wanna let us know? No, I mean, you know, I just, I just hope people uh, go into the Loring with an open mind. It's a lot of fun. It's very disturbing, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, you know, if they want to check it out, they can go to the, the, the Loring.com and they can check us out on Instagram. And, you know, we're, we're kind of all over the place. We're getting some good press, which is great. But, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a fun disturbing psychological thriller that's all i can say <laughs> awesome man well thank you very much uh let's see we got any good stuff uh yeah adrian said that was my favorite segment awesome yeah he's 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 definitely a really cool guy he's got a lot of energy he, he um if you know if anybody out there is in the san diego area looking for some some video help uh, he literally takes control of the entire situation. He's like, look, I want this angle. I want you over here. You need to have this kind of energy, a lot of direction. That's so, awesome. uh, you know, he was really looking forward to, to hearing what you had to say. So thank you very Bro, much. I, I got yeah. a question for you. What, what, uh, number episode are we on? This is three, uh, 496. 496. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Countdown 500 <laughs> is right around the corner, ladies wow. and gents. That's awesome. Woo -woo. All right, Chris. Well, again, thank you very much for spending some time uh, on the program. We look forward to checking out the Luring. You guys can find it at uh, luring.com uh, and the underscore Luring on Instagram. Make sure you guys check it out. And that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. And we're out. Great. Kind of. Sorry, you got to scroll up pretty high for this one. All right. And we're out. <laughs> now we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the Business Bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the Insurance Bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.